Dear Journal, watch here. My wife shut me down again today. <laughs> Not in the way she normally does, but she put me in my place. Two bitches, yeah, two bitches, two bitches just watching TV. <laughs> Bitch. Hi. Hello. Long time no talk. I, it feels like it's been ages. What's up? Welcome to Bitch Watch. Yoda wanted to join the party as well. Oh, yes. Our producer Yoda is back. They've been so quiet this whole time. And now that we're actually trying to record, they're like, they said go. That means it's time for us to play, right? Absolutely. And the answer is no. It's not time for you to play. See, Yoda's like trying to chase him off. Yeah, Yoda's like, off the set. We're live. The mic is hot. Director Lupin (laughs) is like, you guys are waking me from my nap. I'm pissed. Welcome to Summer Shorts. Yes, Summer <laughs> Shorts. Sorry, it's here. It's summer. It's not actually hot outside. No, I'm in a freaking hoodie and leggings because it's raining and it's cold. But you know what? And I'm in fuzzy Cookie Monster pajama pants. I got a lemonade shandy in honor of Summer Shorts to try to get into that summer mood. And I think it's getting me there. Good. Or I'm just really buzzed. Also kind of a summery feel. I mean, not that you can't get buzzed yeah. year round, but yeah. Yeah, I get you, though. It's, I feel like a summer, like my 21st birthday summer, was just a constant buzz. <laughs> I think I think I associate, like, the feeling of being buzzed and the feeling of summer of just, like, a, not a party time, but, like, good time, you know? Yeah. And my birthday's yeah. in the summer, and you mm-hmm. think of, like, barbecuing and, like, having a good time, and that's just, like, kind With of friends. all- Yeah, all wrapped in my brain of just, yeah, like, this is a good buzz. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was talking about- I was somewhat of an alcoholic, but we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> I was, I was, you know, gearing the conversation elsewhere, but, you know. <laughs> but I hope you're going to enjoy uh, your itinerary for this summer. I know we will. Yeah, uh, so far, I mean, we're obviously going to talk about Firefly today, but so far I will say I'm enjoying it. It's a little odd for me to be watching a show with no idea how it ends because being in this panini in the last year, I've rewatched <laughs> a lot of rewatched a lot of shows and a lot of movies as like a comfort yeah. blanket kind of thing. Yeah. And so to start a show with absolutely no idea about it, no preconceptions or any anything, not even really knowing the actors. Like obviously I knew Nathan Fillion was in this, but like Yeah. I yeah. was surprised to find out other people are in this. Like, Inara is in Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah. Weird thing about Firefly is is it's not a spoilery show. It's kind of like The Mandalorian. Since I've seen at least the first season of The Mandalorian and looking back at this show, I see a lot of parallels. But yeah, there's not really a spoilery thing. It's just a journey. Uh, I don't know that I'll agree with you on that. Maybe not about Firefly, but there are spoiler, spoilerly bits about the mandalorian okay i mean i could see that i'm just saying like it's not like dexter at the end where it's like whoa he's all lumberjack now no i guess not <laughs> not quite like that but there are things about like the mandalorian that while i was watching it i'd be upset if someone ruined for me but i could understand that so what have you been up to witsy <laughs> well right before we started recording or between takes i'll say that i was telling you that we are teaching chance to catch food Yes. And we're doing it with pork rinds because Yoda loves pork rinds. For the longest, Chance didn't comprehend that food flying at his face meant to open his mouth. The number of pork rinds that have hit him square in the forehead is stupid. Oh. Uh, but he, oh. <laughs> he's finally- You know, I, I would be lying if I said I haven't been there myself. <laughs> 
He's finally learning, hey, food is flying at my mouth or at my face. I should open my mouth. So he doesn't catch yeah. every time, but we're making progress. And I have to look at his paperwork again, but I think his first birthday is like tomorrow or the next couple of days. Oh my God. So big boy is finally turning one. Happy birthday, big fella. Big dumb fella. Lovable dummy. Uh, I love his energy. Dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like me. <laughs> And listeners, Yoda wants to tell you that it's Star Wars Day when we're recording. Happy Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. So I'm enjoying Firefly so far. Good. I was I was wondering if you would love it or hate it since you're kind of a Star Wars fanatic. Mm-hmm. I will say, as a fan, I watched this when I was a teenager. And looking back, I see a lot of flaws in it now that I didn't see before. As far as knowing what we know about Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that it didn't influence how I'm watching it now, but there are just some very overtly, like you cannot ignore it things Yeah, in Firefly where it just jumps out at you. Like, why was this here? Why was this even necessary? Why did we do this? Yeah. And that's from someone who isn't, who is very sex positive and I don't mind seeing sex on screen. It's just unnecessary. It's interesting, like going into it for the first time, knowing mm-hmm. what's come out about Joss Whedon and like the same thing. Just not to the same degree of I don't think you're saying it's ruining your experience like viewing experience but it's it's at least giving you another layer to think about right yeah exactly it's not ruined it it's just changed my perspective on it mm-hmm. it's not as untouchably holy as I thought it once was as a child right does that make sense and here's the other thing too is it only the like sexual things and like the way some of the females are portrayed that are different for you? Or is it just as a whole, you're like, oh, as an adult, maybe this show isn't as good as I remember it being? I think it's mostly to do with the female characters, specifically Inara and Kaylee. River is not as sexualized or I guess she is infantilized yeah, to an extent, but I don't feel like she's overtly infantilized. Infantil- infantil- infantilized? Don't ask me. Whatever. Infantilized and sexualized. Does Mm -hmm. that make any sense? I feel like she is just infantilized, but that could be compared to just someone shutting down due to trauma. So yeah. Sorry, that was a big answer. (laughs) What I was getting at with that question is, is I wonder, and you know, I know we're going to be revisiting a show that I like, but it's another show that I watch as an adult. You know, I Mm -hmm. wonder if we were to pull up a series when I eventually drag you through How I Met Your Mother, (laughs) if I'll have like a nostalgia thing that contributes to it because you watched Dexter originally as a teenager too, right? Yes. I actually watched Dexter and Firefly around the same time. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I wonder if there's anything that I could pull out of like the crosshairs of like, whoa, like this isn't as good as I remember (laughs) it being. Yeah, I think it still holds up and I see how it's paved the way, if you will. But there are just some little things where I'm like, this makes my insides a little icky. <laughs> yeah. So you think someone else would have told the story better? Yeah. I feel like if what I would be interested to do is go back and watch something like Buffy mm-hmm. and see how that works. But in this, I mean, you have Kaylee, who I've always loved. I still love her as a character, but she's slightly infantilized. Um, she's kind of in the middle of like infantilized slash quirky girl slash they, girl next door tomboy. They've almost try to make her not quite not to the full definition of the word but she's almost manic pixie dream pixie dream girl that's exactly what i was thinking as well you know so like of course Mm -hmm. like in my mind she doesn't meet all the like 
quantification, but at least that like yeah. quirkiness and like this and like what people think is desirable and like what they want and it's kind of yeah. troublesome, but not. Yeah. And uh, she was always my favorite character and I still love her as a character uh, because I, I see, I think I see a lot of myself in Kaylee, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, kind of tomboy, not knowing how to buy a dress and go to these d- fancy things. Yeah. And I don't hate the way they do her character. I really think they do Inara kind of dirty, but then you have Zoe who's right up there with Mal. So it's just really weird, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've said this, or we've said this, and we explained this in the trailer as well. And I, you know, I've just said it like six times, but it's interesting to me, never have seen this before, to try and Mm -hmm. figure out what each character brings to the big puzzle, if you will. So Mm -hmm. obviously, like, Mal is the captain and like obviously he's going to be an important character and you learn that zoe's the second and and so just trying to figure out who everybody is how they all fit together who's important not that any i don't feel like any of the characters aren't important Mm -hmm. especially because the show only got 14 episodes it's such a short window that everybody ultimately is important it isn't like dexter where you know someone for a season and then they fuck off or they die i think that's our learning curve this summer as we go through different shows of just Knowing that these, all of these have such limited runs. So it's like, you can't put too much weight on any of it because for the most part, none of these got to get finished. Yeah. And that's what's really sad. I feel like, I do feel like they were able to somewhat wrap up their story arc with Serenity Mm -hmm. from what I remember. I don't have a very good memory of Serenity, but I remember the general arcing and it, you know, they got the chance. Not all of these shows got that chance. Yeah. And granted, there are some shows like Harper's Island and Sharp Objects that we're visiting this summer that they were just supposed to be a one season off Mm -hmm. miniseries. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Uh, I'll just quickly say this and then we can move into the mm-hmm. actual analysis. Thinking, I was trying to like, while we've been talking, trying to think of shows that I would have watched as a teenager. And um, as you know, I recently just rewatched all of The Nanny. You know, it, mm-hmm. it was interesting to watch it again as an adult all the way through from start to finish. When you watch it when you're young, especially because I would have watched it as a, like, as a kid kid. There's Same. so yeah. many things that go over your head. And then even as you rewatched as a teenager, you're like, oh, I get it. They're flirting. Oh, he took back that he loves her. You don't really feel the weight of this. When you watch it again as an adult, you're like, well, this is kind of messed up because he's actually leading her on. Like, he knows what he's doing to her. He's Yeah, yeah, no. Max was a butthole. (laughs) Yeah. He was kind of the original (laughs) fuckboy. Yeah. And I also, (laughs) we discussed this one day that I was like, I think watching this at the age that I did, like kind of defined in my brain of what qualities I'm attracted to. (laughs) Men with curly hair and British accents (laughs) that are unattainable. (gasps) You mean they're unattainable for a woman living in the United States in this deep South and or the Midwest. That's crazy. I, I, I see least, British people all the time. At least this lady lived with that British man. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a little bit more attainable. I was going to say in this episode, we discuss episodes one through four. Yep. And we start with episode one, which is Serenity. So we open on Sergeant Malcolm or Mal, as we will know him, Reynolds. Zoe and some other soldiers and they're part of an attempt to prevent the Alliance forces from taking Serenity Valley. We find out later that this is a flashback to the war between the rebels and the Alliance. This gets referenced a lot. It's a big part of this world's history and lore. Their air support that they're waiting on to come in to 
kind of Arivac them out does not show up and instead the Alliance has actually won the valley. They've just kind of left them there to die and the rebels are ordered by their command to surrender. So Mal is visibly shaken by this. He is distraught because one of his soldiers has just died in his arms. It's real messed up. War stuff, you know, <laughs> same old, same old. War stuff. <laughs> Different war, same story. Then we cut to a scene of the firefly going through space, <laughs> which did not age well, no. to say the very, very least. <laughs> we started this one off hot and Frank, there is a quote here. God, I used to think this looked so cool. Could do this on a fucking Windows 98 computer, hello? With a calculator? Yeah. Yep. Give me a good Texas Instruments calculator and I got you, fam. Hey man, you don't even need one that fancy. You could just get a calculator and power it with a potato and... You're good to go. Ooh, CGI. Thank you. Sincerely. I, th I think the only downfall of like science fiction, revisiting science fiction, like watching how effects have to measure up later. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> Some of this feels like they didn't even try. They were like, well, no one's going to watch this again later. It'll be fine. Well, science isn't going to go past this. <laughs> so we fast forward six years later and Mal is the captain of this firefly. It's a transport ship. Its class is firefly, hence where we get the name from. And it's called Serenity after Serenity Valley, which is known as the battle that lost the war. Mm -hmm. Zoe is his second in command on ship. He, Zoe, and Jane. Uh, Jane is basically his heavy his muscle. They're attempting to melt open a hatch that's on an abandoned wreck of a carrier in space because basically what they do is loot. They don't necessarily, well, I guess they do rob, but they don't just go out of their way to rob innocent people, yeah, if that makes they're, sense. They're more of like salvage. They're like salvage and doing dirty jobs that no one else wants to take. And mostly their thing that they're taking from is the Alliance any chance they get. Yeah, because Mal's got a stick up his butt about it. <laughs> They're space bandits. They're space bandits. <laughs> and Frank, there is a quote again already. <laughs> Lord Jesus. About technology again. Mm, technology, early 2000s sci-fi, baby. Oh shit, they got hot glue in space. <laughs> hot glue and a wire. That's crazy. Man. Oh, look, there's the screwdriver from uh, 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 Doctor Who. All kinds of fancy schmancy shit. Thanks. Thanks. You meet a character named Wash, and he's sitting in the pilot station keeping watch when he detects an Alliance cruiser approaching them and the wreck that they're attempting to loot. He contacts Mal, and Mal tells him to cut all power to escape detection. Wash relays this order to the ship's engineer, Kaylee, and you see that the cruiser is able to detect some residual heat, so they, they didn't turn the power off fast enough. And they begin scanning the vehicle. Wash is able to tell that they've been detected and contacts Mal again. And Mal has him engage the crybaby, which is a decoy distress beacon whose transmission is mistaken to be another ship in trouble. Yeah, which in reality is a CGI tin can floating through space with a glorified sticky note slapped to the side that says crybaby. But it works. So Mel yeah, gets his yeah. team and the cargo back on board and then they signal Wash that it's safe to go and he turns Serenity away from the cruiser and speeds away. The cruiser who hears this message, they halt deployment of gunships from their ship so they can go help this other ship that they think is in distress. But they do put out a bulletin that a Firefly class ship is carrying stolen Alliance goods. Mel is actually troubled because he's figured out that the cargo is stamped by the Alliance and this puts a real hitch in their plan plans because the of course the alliance is going to be looking for it because mm -hmm. it's hot goods 
And so the crew starts hiding the cargo inside of secret compartments. That's why they chose the Firefly class, because there are secret compartments all over it that make it very hard to thoroughly search, from my understanding, at least. So the crew starts hiding the cargo, and Mal and Zoe contact Badger, who is their fence on the planet Persephone, that the job is done, and they're ready to bring in the stuff. Mal announces to the crew that they're going to be taking on passengers on Persephone before heading to the planet Boros. This also is kind of a cover because whenever there's passengers, generally you have an excuse to be going wherever you're going. Mm -hmm. It briefly cuts away to the character Nara, who her official title is companion. And you find out that Mm -hmm. she's kind of a sex worker, but it isn't looked down upon. Yeah. There's like a guild and a whole thing that goes with it. Yeah. And we'll explain a little bit more about that later, but you do see her and she's finishing up a session with an Alliance officer and he's like really awkward and like, so was this good for you? And offers to rescue her from her lifestyle. So you can tell he's kind of got like a hang up about it. And Mm -hmm. she says, oh, you know, the time went by too quickly. And he essentially accuses her of having a bewitched clock that passes time too quickly. Well, at least it's good to know that men are consistent through the decades (laughs) slash universes. Yeah, jeez. Serenity lands on Persephone and various crew members split up. So Kaylee stays around so she can find passengers. Wash takes the Because let's be honest, she's the most charismatic on that ship. Oh, oh, for sure. For sure. I was thinking about it. You say that. If you walked up uh, to the Firefly and you saw Kaylee, you'd be like, yeah, I want to board this ship. Yeah, exactly. For me, Jane would be standing there. Oh my God, let it go. No, I can't. And he would be beckoning passengers and I'd be like, where do I sign up? How much do I pay you? Can I pay you with other things? (laughs) (laughs) What other means of payment? Are we sharing your room? Like, there's questions I want to know. You know, if there's not room, I bet there's room in your bunk. (laughs) Yeah, we could cuddle. You look like a cuddle. You're the worst. Can you you imagine cuddling with Jane? No, because I don't want to. (laughs) I want to cuddle with Kaylee, bro. I'm just imagining, though, like how his character and asking him to cuddle would be so funny. He'd probably try to stab you. Probably. Yeah, so Kaylee's trying to find passengers for the ship. Wash takes the utility vehicle to go get supplies. And then Mal, Zoe, and Jane set out to go speak with Badger. They find Badger and he's not happy that their team got caught or spotted by the Alliance because this cargo is now molecularly stamped and can be traced. And ultimately he refuses to take the cargo or even pay for it. This really pisses Jane off out of all of them. Guns are drawn by everybody. But the crew is outnumbered and forced to leave empty-handed. We cut back to Kaylee and she's got her little parasol sitting by the firefly and Shepard Book wanders by. Kaylee notices that he's looking at the ships, but not their destinations. He tells her that he has decided it's time to be in the world and out of the monastery. So shepherds are basically pastors in this universe. So he's been in a monastery-esque environment, learning, praying, all that kind of fun stuff. But he wants to go out into the world and save souls or whatever. So he's got a little bit of money, but he also has something in a small box, which he shows her. She's very impressed, but we don't know what it is yet. Spoiler, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's a strawberry. I think it's strawberries. Oh, strawberries. Okay. Well, strawberries are rare because Earth dead. (laughs) Uh, She says that the Firefly is the best ship and convinces him to come aboard. So Mal and company going back to the ship and they're trying to figure out how to now unload their cargo. Mal thinks he wants to try and sell it to a woman named Patience who is (laughs) on a terraform moon called Whitefall. Although Zoe starts objecting to this because as she brings up, Malcolm has been shot by Patience in the past. (laughs) Although he does say it was just a little bit. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, just got shot a little bit. Just a little. It's fine. Mal just knows that she's a little shady, so he thinks that she's going to be the best pet to unload this cargo. Yeah, because she doesn't care if it's Alliance. She'll just take it as more of a challenge. Yeah. As they all arrive at Serenity, new passengers are coming on board, including a man named Dobson and a doctor named Simon. Zoe is, she was unhappy about patients and now she's unhappy about all these passengers because now they're sitting on top of stolen cargo. Mal just laughs it off. Also, you see that Inara has arrived. She's docked her pod into the ship. Yep, from there. Oh, and to ease Zoe's mind, Mal just says, oh, we'll just make sure they're confined to their quarters and they know that they can't move around the ship without one of us. Mm -hmm. It's all good. And Zoe's like, this is going to go to pot, but okay. (laughs) Boy, how quickly that happens. Oh, man. Yeah. Mal, Kaylee, and Zoe laid out the ground rules. Mal learns that Book is a shepherd and he is not thrilled about this. Along with having a stick up his butt about the alliance, he also has a real bone to pick with religion. Now, Kaylee assures everyone that, you know, it's not a problem. He's a good guy. Book's cool. He's all he's all good. We're all good. Also, give me the strawberries. <laughs> Mal actually covers up the nature of their impending transaction by going to Whitefall by telling the passengers that the ship has been ordered by the alliance to take some medical supplies to Whitefall. So they'll be going there before going off to their next destination. Inara ends up exiting her shuttle at about this time, making her grand entrance. And Mal introduces her to Book, referring to her as an ambassador. Book takes this literally and says, oh, you know, it's so nice to meet a diplomat or something like that. Then Mal goes on to explain that she is a quote unquote, not our words, whore, which you will hear a lot in this show. (laughs) Um, And Kaylee immediately corrects him that the term is companion, not whore. Mal goes on to explain to Shepard, in front of everyone that, you know, in some ways a companion is an ambassador because companions are viewed as high class and very respectable. So her presence on the ship allows allows them to, quote unquote, open doors that would otherwise be closed to the crew. Yeah, I think they even mentioned that some places won't let them dock if they don't have a companion with them. Yeah, and so it's just kind of a mutual beneficial agreement even though really she does not need to deal with all of this verbal torment that mal throws at her but yeah right after this we actually get a scene of inara in her pod giving herself a sponge bath yeah without us going into detail of the whole like joss whedon thing and like i'll let you say more about this but like even just watching it just not thinking about it i'm like you don't see any of the other people bathe yeah not not even Zoe. I mean, Zoe's a woman on the ship. You don't see anything about her so far. No. Nothing like that has happened. You no. know, like I get that like this woman does sex work, but there is no point in her seeing her give herself a bath. Yeah, it's just odd. And it's shot like porn. <laughs> like, yeah. It was weird. And basically all that happens in the scene is book brings her some food and she's like does me being a whore bother you and you know i'm again i'm not calling her a whore if you hear me say the word whore it's because that's how they say it in the show and i just want you to get the same visceral reaction i had (laughs) yeah it's a direct quote so yeah but yeah that's all that happens and book is just like no we're cool dog and she's like i i'm gonna keep scrubbing my titties and you know it would be one thing if like she was giving herself a bath and he like walked in the beginning of the scene it's like at least 30 seconds and mind you the pilot of this show is an hour and a half long i forgot to mention mention that up top but you see her bathing herself for a solid 30 seconds 45 seconds maybe even a full minute 
And yeah. when you're trying to pitch a pilot, every minute counts. Especially when you got an hour and a half of them. Yeah, to like <laughs> pay, especially like a fantasy world. So like you have to explain like this universe isn't our universe. This is how the rules work. Like we just got the whole thing about her being a companion and how that works. That's fine. And you're understanding all this. Why waste a whole minute of her just bathing? It's just like shot, like you said, like a porn. Just her bathing and then someone walks in on her only to bring her dinner and the two of them briefly talk about how Mal is a mystery. Yeah. And how, all right, you know what? It's chill. We're good with each other. Yeah. It's so weird. It's so bizarre. You could cut out 30 seconds of her bathing. It, I would be fine. Like, oh, you just see her like brushing her shoulder and he walked in like that quickly. So that's my rant on things. Yeah. So Wash summons Mal to the bridge and tells him that someone on board has sent a message to an Alliance cruiser that's somewhat nearby. Mm-hmm. He was able to scramble the message, but he s- doesn't know how much information got out, and he suspects that there's a mole on board, which obviously is problematic. Mal immediately thinks Simon is the mole, and he finds him in the cargo bay, which they've been told they're not supposed to be, but he finds him in the cargo bay inspecting a large high-tech crate and ends up punching him and then <laughs> holds a gun to him and accuses him yeah. of being a fed. I would like to really quick clarify, the reason they immediately jumped to this conclusion is because Simon brought a giant, that giant high-tech crate on board with him. That was his cargo, and he was very obsessive about it. Yeah. So that's why he made the jump. And when they were told that they couldn't go in the cargo bay, you know, or whatever, he was like, no, I have things in there that I need. And it was just a whole... Yeah. He immediately brought attention to himself. Yeah. So at this point, Book appears, or Shepard appears, and points out to Mal that... I think you have the wrong guy because Dobson's up on a catwalk pointing a gun at all of them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Dobson informs Simon that he is bound by law, which means under arrest in this universe, and that Simon is wanted by the Alliance. And he plans on prosecuting the entire crew for transporting a fugitive across interplanetary borders, and he's not convinced one bit that they're transporting medical supplies. <laughs> Mal urges Simon to stand down while Book is trying to calm everyone down. And <laughs> at this point, Kaylee and Jane actually enter. And Dobson's like really jumpy at this point, And he reacts by like he turns and accidentally shoots Kaylee in the stomach. Yeah, she's walking in. Yeah. Mal and Book are able to overpower Dobson. And Simon rushes to Kaylee's side to look at her wound. Jane aims to shoot Dobson. But Book refuses to let him do so. Again, because he's a minister and he doesn't want just murdering happening in front of him what a shame so at this point zoe appears and orders jane to tie up dobson one can wish mal (laughs) intends to (laughs) mal intends to hand simon over to the alliance but simon threatens to not treat kaylee if he does so mal was reluctant but he agrees they transport kaylee to the infirmary where simon removes the bullet fragments but he does tell mal that only time will tell if she will heal fully and i wanted to just for reference here when we were beginning to watch the show like within the first few minutes you were like man i'm attracted to everyone on the ship but pretty much jane and i'm like oh okay like i didn't think anything much of it and then we started watching it and i saw jane and i was like no no no, i like this one yeah no heck jane jane can go right to right to the butt i don't care wait no that sounds wrong jane (laughs) jane can suck a butt i want nothing to do with him And so there's just been a lot of back and forth between Sly and myself because I like Jane and she does not. I just want to slap him, you know? He's just one of those characters. No. (laughs) No, Not in the same way. 
Oh, my God. Curious as to why the Alliance wanted Simon so bad, Mal ends up popping open that crate while Jane restrains Simon. Simon's begging them to not open the crate, that something bad will happen. But when he opens it, he sees a young naked girl inside. There's like steam coming off of it, so we're assuming that she's cryogenically frozen. Mal immediately assumes that she's a slave and this pisses him off. But after the girl gains consciousness and starts screaming, Simon ends up running to her to calm her down and explaining that the girl is his sister. He explains that when she was born, she was gifted beyond all belief. She had intellect in diverse fields such as physics, dance, and even dwarving his own talents. And he's already in incredibly smart. And because of all this, she was sent to an Alliance-funded academy where she was subjected to some unspecified experiments. Things were good for the first few weeks and then letters got further and farther between. And then he realized when they started making no sense at all that it was a code saying, they're hurting us, get us out. Simon ended up breaking in and rescuing her from the Alliance and is on the run trying to protect her at all costs. Mal tells Simon that he's going to leave him and his sister in Whitefall. Nara ends up telling Mal that if he does this, Simon and River will die and she will not be joining them on the rest of the journey. Mal decides to proceed with the stolen goods and harboring fugitives <laughs> to Whitefall to meet patients. You see Jane going to interrogate Dobson and he's like really giddy to do so. Because um, <laughs> yeah. Mal informs Dobson that Jane here is going to be interrogating you. And about this point, Jane like sheaths of this big, like, big knife and he's like, he wasn't specific how. So he's there to interrogate Dobson to find out how much he was able to tell the Alliance before his transmission got cut. And Dobson ends up offering a bribe to Jane, telling him that the Alliance will give him more than enough money for him to buy his own ship if he'll just release him. And Jane asks, does this mean betraying the captain? And then the scene cuts away. Mm -hmm. You see Mal and Wash observing an old trans-U, another ship, and it's approaching. Mm -hmm. And they realize it's a reaver raiding party. Zoe explains to Simon as she's running to the bridge that if the reavers board their ship, everyone on the Serenity will be raped to death, cannibalized, and have their skin sewn into the inside of the reavers' clothing. And if they're, quote, very lucky, they'll do it in that order. Simon thinks that reavers are just a fairy tale. Like a campfire scary ghost story. And she's- Yeah, she's like, no, nope, no nope. story, <laughs> no story. And then luckily for the crew, the, the reaver ship passes by without changing forced to, to load onto their ship. Now, I don't know if you noticed, were you watching Inara in that scene? What do you mean? I believe companions have to carry this, if I remember some of the story right. She pulls out a needle and she looks at it and then she closes it. If companions um, get into trouble or, you know, are in a dangerous situation, they have a needle to basically commit suicide. No, I did not see that. I think that comes into play later, but I could be wrong. But uh, that's exactly what was hinted at there. It was in a fancy case, tiny needle. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Jane. Oh, fuck. Nope. Got Jane on um. the brain. Got Jane on the brain. She got Jane on the brain. <laughs> we cut to Mal and Patience talking over the comm. They're kind of exchanging some pleasantries. From the conversation that they have, he lets her know up front that... It is marked goods. She says, oh, I don't care about that. Just bring it on down. And from their conversation, Mal is pretty dang sure that she's going to try to shoot him again. <laughs> but just a little bit. Yeah. And then right at about this time, we also see Dobson cutting through his bindings. Now, I'm going to ask you about this. And mm -hmm. I know what happens to Dobson. So this obviously like, do we... Th Oh, wait, that might affect the rest of the season. Never mind. Mm -hmm. I'll just keep watching. No, it's okay. You want to ask it now, it's fine. No, because I don't want it to be ruined. 
No, I won't tell you if it's big. You got a dumb face. You're going to give it away. No, I'm not. <laughs> You're like, no, no, no. I'm bearing all your teeth. Like, no, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'll just have to wait and watch. Okay. So what I'm curious about here, and for the listener, she has turned <laughs> off her camera and her mic. <laughs> What I'm curious about here, so we see Dobson cutting through his bindings and there's his hands are taped behind his back. And I'm wondering, because we see Jane cut away with, does, you know, helping you mean betraying the captain? Later, Jane and Mal have a conversation about this. And, you know, he says that he wasn't offered enough money. But what I'm curious about is if Jane helped him do that by pointing out a thing or like helping him find the thing that he was able to cut through the tape with. We'll see how that comes into play. Again, I'm going into the yep. show totally blind. So. Yep. Yep. You see where I like lead to that. Yeah. Because it does cut away. I think that is what they are implying, but I don't remember if it comes up. Serenity ends up landing on Whitefall and Mal and Zoe walk out into the valley to meet Patience and her henchmen. Now, they start surveying the land and Mal goes ahead and sends Jane ahead of time to take out any potential snipers pointing out their locations. Finally, they go down into the valley fully and meet Patience with her entourage, which is crazy crazy amounts of people um oh, and like a, a bulldozer <laughs> there's horses and bulldozers and yeah frank there's a quote here about mal and zoe being on foot but patience and them being on horseback they brought legs to a horse fight yeah mal and patience start just basically skipping the pleasantries and he throws a sample of the cargo which turns out to be nutritional slash immunization bars from the alliance which one of can feed an entire family for a month which i don't know how that works but <laughs> i love the quote of it could last you for a month or longer if they don't like their kids too much <laughs> Patience ends up trying to go back on the deal, but Jane sends a warning shot, letting Patience and the gang know that their snipers are out of commission and they're on Mal's side now. So they end up getting the money that they were promised and they go back to rendezvous with Jane. Jane arrives having been contacted by Wash with some really bad news. The Reavers followed them to Whitefall. Boom, boom, boom. Then it cuts back to the ship to Serenity and you see that book because he is a shepherd and he's trying to follow out this whole like Jesus thing. Yeah. He's going to go visit Dobson because he thinks Dobson's actually in trouble. And as he opens the door, Dobson actually like surprise pops out, attacks him and knocks oh, him out. He beats the booty butt out of oh, that yeah. man. And then he goes over to the infirmary and grabs River. But he's discovered by Simon at this point who jumps over from the catwalk <laughs> Over the cargo bay. Dobson gets a hold of a gun and points it at River. But Mal arrives at this point from Whitefall and shoots Dobson. Like, just walks in and shoots him. And, you know, I thought about this when we were recording, but I don't think I said this. Him, like, walking in and just, like, shooting him and, like, continue to walk really reminds me of... And I don't remember which one it is, so, like, people are gonna... Don't come for me. Or do, if you want. My Instagram is... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it reminds me of one of the Indiana Jones films. Yes. Where Harrison was sick that day. So like he couldn't physically do the choreography for a sword fight. So he literally just shoots the guy because he yeah. was like running a fever and sick. But yeah. totally like badass like energy of just like, I don't got time for this. Boom. And like kept, kept walking. We got way worse things coming for us, bro. Yes. Keep walking. Yeet them off the back, bro. I'm trying to protect my <laughs> booty hole. You need to go. Uh, so they dump him off the ship as they prepare to leave uh, with the Reavers on their tail. Yeah, they just, as the door's closing, yeet them off the back. Yeah. 
Uh, Mal orders all the passengers to a Nara shuttle as Jane carries Kaylee to the engine room. Mm-hmm. Bulk carries out Kaylee's instructions for flip this switch, pull this thing, do this, do this, and do this. And Wash does really cool flying. And because of the Serenity is able to pull what they call a crazy Ivan maneuver, <laughs> which envelops the Reaver ship in a fireball, which is ignited by their exhaust. And this allows them to escape. After you see that this maneuver has worked, Zoe is in the bridge with Wash. And I don't know that we've mentioned this anywhere. Oops. Zoe and Wash are married. Um, <laughs> yeah. For context. And Zoe like deadpans almost directly into the camera, like tells everyone to leave the bridge because she wants to have sex with that man as a Wash or husband, which cues me here, Frank. <laughs> a man wrote that line. Yep. Yep. Joss Whedon himself was like, I need this line. Give me a pen. God damn it. I just had inspiration. Thanks. Thanks. Ridiculous. Stupid. There's so many lines from her that you're like, nope. This shouldn't come out of a woman's no, mind. Nope. Yeah, nope, nope. So Book ends up visiting Anara and confesses that he's terribly lost. He doesn't know where he's at. He's on a ship filled with thieves and murderers. And he's like, man, I think I really picked the wrong ship. But Anara reassures him and says, you know... You just might be exactly where you ought to be right now. Just rock along with it, bro. It'll be okay. Back in the passenger quarters, Simon ends up tucking River in and says that they will find a safe place to live soon. River gently caresses her brother's face and says, you know, I didn't think you'd come for me. He reassures her that he'd always find her. Jane and Mal are talking and Jane tells Mal that River is in danger and that Dobson told him that the Alliance will keep after her. Mal at this point asks, did Dobson try to bribe you? And Jane admits yes, but it wasn't a large enough of a bribe. But, you know, it'll be an interesting day if the bribe is ever big enough, which kind of sets you in the direction of what their relationship is, that Jane's just there until he can get paid better by someone else. Yeah. So Jane leaves after this interaction and Simon enters. Mal suggests to Simon that he and River may actually be safer if they're on the move rather than hiding out in one place. Points out that, of course, Serenity is always moving and honestly, they are in need of a medic. So Simon does accept this offer. But in this exchange, Simon asks how he can trust Mal won't kill him in his sleep. And Mal assures him by telling him that, no, 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 you'll be awake if I decide to kill you. Frank, there's a quote here in this episode. One of us will be on a horse. And one of us will just be standing in the middle of a desolate field. The one on the horse is not guaranteed a victory. (laughs) One of us will be entering on a horse. The other one will be leaving with that horse. (laughs) Thanks. Episode two, the train job. Every Western needs a good train job episode. And this isn't even the one with the music. That's the next episode. (laughs) Yeehaw. Jesus. This episode opens and you find out that it is Unification Day. You find out that it is Unification Day and you see that Mal, Zoe, and Jane are drinking at a bar and it's an Alliance-friendly bar. And this drunk named Lund is up at the bar (laughs) and he loudly wants to make a toast celebrating Unification Day. And it's the unification of the planets. It's the day that the Alliance won and the war uh-huh. ended. And as, as we know, the sixth anniversary, Mal, of course, refuses to raise his glass. He goes up to the bar and he starts running his mouth to Lund and it just starts to get heated. At some point, Zoe even smacks him around. And this breaks out almost like a mini reenactment of the war. And you see the three of them assuming the role of the independents as they did six years prior. Well, I guess you don't know where Jane was, but still. Yeah. 
And then Wash, at this point, arrives with the Serenity and threatens to fire upon Lond and the offended Alliance sympathizers. And they get onto the, the ship and <laughs> they all kind of laugh about how these people were really dumb to realize this is a transport ship that obviously has no weapons. Yeah. Frank, there's a quote here about how smart this the drunk at the bar is. Read the room, bro. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Both of his brain cells are working at the same time. Thanks. Yeah, I love the quote from Wash about how <laughs> just yeah. the most deadpan voice possible over the comm. I will blow a new crater in this tiny, tiny moon. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know this happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a script. Yeah. <laughs> we cut to River and she wakes up screaming. We see a lot of previous clips of River being in distress in her room or saying the same thing over and over and over again and like almost a catatonic state. This is a trend that we'll see throughout the series. But she wakes up screaming in this scene after having a terrible nightmare about her time at the academy and she ends up jumping off the infirmary table. Simon goes goes to her and tries his best to comfort her. And we got a fashion update in this scene. Frank, if you want to insert the clip. I didn't know they had biker shorts in space. That's great. Mm -hmm. However, bike shorts with boots? Questionable at best. Thank you. Simon asks her if she was dreaming, but River says nothing about her nightmare. She can't form coherent words. Simon presses, saying that he needs to know everything River remembers in order to help her. River dismisses her brother's questions and just is kind of making noises of distress. Yeah. <laughs> then River is looking around her environment and she specifically identifies the serenity just by looking at the infirmary. She says it's a mid-bulk transport standard radion accelerator core class code 30-K64 a firefly. Mal actually walks in while she's describing the ship to the literal class code and Mal jokes, oh, well, I don't even remember all that. And it's my ship. Like, what's going on here, bro? Simon's just like, I don't know, man. It's something they did to her, man. I don't know, bro. I told you she was gifted, bro. <laughs> he goes over to the sink and tends to his bruised and bloodied hand. Simon offers his help and asks how he got hurt. And Mal explains to Simon that he just got in a bar fight. No big deal. Simon worries about what type of attention that the fight caused. Mal's just like, I get in bar fights all the time. It's all good, bro. We're out. We're outie. Yeah. It's a little podunk nowhere but i did get tip while i was in the bar about our next job yeah so serenity takes off and heads for a skyplex based on the tip you find that the skyplex is run by a man named niska mm -hmm. and he's a crime boss notorious for cruelty i kind of gathered that they wouldn't really go for this kind of job but right now they are desperate for work so they're going to take a mm -hmm. risk by taking a job from him he's wanting to send them to is that regina like it looks i think so okay <laughs> Just making sure it wasn't something stupid like Regina. It's Joss Whedon. We can't name it Vagina, so Regina. <laughs> <laughs> so he sends them to Regina, which is within the Georgia system, where he wants them to rob a train of unspecified cargo. There is a quote here about me propositioning Witsy. Uh, hey, Witsy, do you want to do a crime next Thursday? Next Thursday? Sure, I'm free. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. 10 a.m.? Ooh, that's a little early. Uh, I'll have to move some things around with work. 10 p.m. Right on time. Right on time. Sweet. 
So the plan is to have Mal and Zoe board the train and get into position in the luggage car. Serenity will hover above the plane and lower Jane down to secure the cargo. Think Mission Impossible style. Yep. The three and their stolen goods will then be hauled back aboard ship and then they'll make off of the rendezvous with Niska's men. However, this plan goes south when, (laughs) surprise, when Mal and Zoe find an entire squad of Alliance troops, when they find an entire squad of Alliance troops aboard the train with them. At f- Those suckers are armed to the teeth, man. Yeah. They ain't playing. At first, this isn't really a problem because they're shown only to be there for travel, not to guard the cargo. However, of course, <laughs> as the goods are being loaded onto Serenity, one of the men stumbles upon them while they're like literally in the middle of this. Jane is able to make off of the cargo, but they have to leave Mal and Zoe behind on the train. And they end up taking cover in a poor passenger car. Yeah. It's really bad in there. It's like basically basically used to move cattle like what you would think would move cattle but it's people it's really me- it's really messed up it's it's real rough in there so they end up under this cover arriving in paradiso under the aliases of mr and mrs raymond they've come to this world to find work and that's their story they're sticking to it <laughs> the sheriff finds some of their story to be a bit suspicious and holds them while the theft of the cargo is being investigated while standing on the sidelines mal and zoe end up overhearing from the sheriff that what they've stolen is actually a shipment of pescalin D, which is a medicine needed to treat a degenerative disease that inflicts the town. Basically because it's coal mines or just mines in general, they all get this sickness and this is the only treatment for it. And Mal is very upset about this. And I think he even says Goram or something mm-hmm. in this show's language. Back on an Alliance cruiser in deep space, the colonel receives a report about the incident. He rejects Sheriff Bourne's request for assistance from the stationed Alliance marshals, saying that the marshals have better things to do than partake in local affairs on a border planet and basically blows them off, even though that means that people are going to die. So making use of her respectability as a companion, Inara devises a plan and takes her shuttle to Paradiso and gets Mal and Zoe out of questioning by telling the sheriff that they are actually her indentured servants. Mal is her manservant. She walks up and slaps the butts out of him. Then she shames Zoe as, how could you run off with him? What will your husband think? (laughs) (laughs) And leads them out of holding. Her story passes scrutiny and they all return to the ship. Having seen the conditions that the people of Paradiso live under, Mal decides ultimately to return the goods, even though he knows full well what Niska will do when he finds out. And they don't really have to wait for long because at this point, Niska's men have found Serenity. They tracked down the ship when the crew became late for the rendezvous. Mal explains his position to Niska's towering Lieutenant Crow, which you said looked like he was from the WWE basically the whole episode. (laughs) Yeah. And he offers to pay the money that they were advanced but the man refuses to cut a deal with them this of course leads into combat but serenity's crew is able to overcome niska's men so the medicine is returned to the paradiso local authorities where sheriff Bourne greatly appreciates mal's change of heart uh, and i pointed yeah. out to you that sheriff Bourne is uh logan's dad from gilmore girls yeah this is the show is Mitchell. chocked full back outside of the ship mal <laughs> attempts to reason with crow and but the man continues to spout threats of niska's violence and mal is just so fed up and kicks him into a nearby engine intake valve and you just see him go like be sucked up and so zoe grabs another henchman who immediately is like no 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 like it's fine like no no it's great because he said he's like this is all the money that niska gave us 
He's explaining it to Crow very slowly. Now you're gonna take this back to him and explain what's happened. And we're all going to be good. And then kicks Crow in, into the engine. Zoe sets the other dude down in front of him. All right, now this is all the money. Like starting completely from scratch. <laughs> and he doesn't even let him finish before he's like, no, it's all good, bro. I got you. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. The surviving pair of Niska's men are sent off with the money. And the promise that Serenity's crew will do what they can to stay out of Niska's business. So they feel like if they just stay out of his way, they should mm-hmm. be able to stay out of trouble. However... Due to the failure of Dobson, you do see blue-gloved agents of Blue Sun interview the Alliance Colonel, and they are now going to become involved in the search for River. Yep. So earlier in the episode, I mentioned that she says things that we think are incoherent. One thing she said throughout this episode is two by two hands of blue, and we see that these two agents have blue gloves, and they come in twos. So she's not all crazy. (laughs) We'll be right back after a quick break. Hey, everybody. Do you like rock music? How about making fun of it? If you answered an emphatic yes, or even a yeah, I guess so, then we have a podcast for you. Join us, Cameron Poe, Memphis Reigns, and John Milton, (laughs) as we first educate and then obliterate everything you love about your favorite popular rock songs with a brand new show, Ripping on the Rock, a rock and roll podcast. In our first series, you'll be learning about Kid Rock as he transforms from rapper to rocker to outlaw country star. Join us each week for a new episode until we run out of episodes, but then we'll be back later with new series. Get excited! Follow us on Twitter at ROTR underscore podcast for news and show updates. We'll see you soon on ROTR ARNLP. We'll not really see you, but you know what we mean. Episode three Bushwhacked. The episode opens with the crew, except for Simon and Nara and River playing a version of basketball in the main hall. Simon says that the game doesn't make much sense, talking to Inara. There don't seem to be any rules. And Inara explains, well, it's just for fun. They just do it to have fun. Yeah. They then encounter a transport ship adrift in deep space. As she approaches, Serenity is struck by a dead body that hits the windshield. And (laughs) Wash would have had my... uh, He reacted better than me, man. I would have been like, nope, I'm out. Sorry, bye. (laughs) So Mal decides to dock with the ship and check for survivors. The ship seems deserted, so they make decision to loot the ship of supplies and valuables. Now, Jane isn't big on this idea and until Mal mentions the valuables. And then, oh, he's super on board. He's super on board, which is part of the reason I don't like Jane. That's neither here nor there. Simon sees Mal and Zoe suiting up in the main area and asks if he needs to join in case someone needs medical attention, but he's really weirded out about going out into space. Jane thinks no one could have survived and then he kind of intimidates Simon with the thought of yeah that guy we hit he's probably stuck to the underbelly of our ship you know like space trash oh yeah kind of like you Frank there is a quote here man screw Jane I'll try it thank you stand by that statement Witsy isn't here right now because she stepped away to check on her dog but I stand by that. In the cargo hold, they find enough goods to support a colony of more than 14 families. Strung from the ceiling are the bodies of the settlers. Now, right before this, we found a 
journal entry. Someone was like in the middle of writing a journal entry, much like in the Fallout series, and then just stopped, I guess, whenever it was getting raided. Cue to us to go on a little bit of a joke spree. So Frank, if you want to put those quotes in here. Yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing when I'm dying is fucking journaling. Just journaling. Just give it a little old tippy-tappy on the, the plastic keys. Dear Diary, I have this unsettling feeling that something's not going to go my way today. <laughs> Update. Update, I'm being in log. I'm guessing most of them were 16-year-old girls since he found diaries. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Diary, Ben was supposed to be on this trip and he didn't show. I'm so pissed. I'm going to kill my parents. How dare they make me go on this trip? There's no cute boys here. Just smelly Georgia. I freaking hate Georgia. I'm so pissed. Dear Diary, Reavers came and they didn't hang me next to the cute boy. I finally found one cute boy on this whole ship. Guess what? He wasn't even that cute. But when there's no other boys your age, you just take what you can get. Instead, I was hanged next to Georgia, the stinky, weird girl. AKA my twin sister. <laughs> oh, plot twist, we found out that that's her sister. Thanks. <laughs> Finding all these people strung to the ceiling is a clear-cut case that the vessel was, in fact, the victim of a reaver attack. So while scavenging the galley, Jane is actually attacked by what we find out later to be the ship's sole surviving passenger, who has gone completely mad from the horrors that he's witnessed happen to his fellow crewmates. Mel ends up knocking the man unconscious, and he is restrained in the Serenity sick bay. I would like to say Jane is, like, a total baby because he said that this man was a monster and bigger than he was. In reality, he wasn't. <laughs> but Jane thinks. Shepard Book pleads with Mal to allow him to hold funeral rites for the slaughtered crew of the ship. He reminds Mal that those were people and they deserve to have their final rites given. And Mal reluctantly agrees. This gives Serenity's crew time to deal with another problem. Their ship has been snared by a reaver booby trap. Set a trigger when detaching from the other vessel and destroy both. Kaylee ends up managing to disable the explosive and Jane finishes transferring the cargo to the Serenity by the time Book finishes his sermon. It's real quick, bro. Serenity undocks and ends up intercepted by an Alliance cruiser on a routine patrol. When the radio operator brings up a flag that was posted for a Firefly for harboring fugitives, the ship's commander, Harkin, who is also Tom from the Desperate Housewives. Yeah, he retired from here and became a Desperate Housewife. Decides that deadly force might be necessary. So the crew is brought into custody while Alliance troops are scouring the ship. And after finding this survivor on board, he's horribly disfigured. Commander Harkin charges Mal with torturing the survivor and committing the crimes inflicted on the settler's ship. Once Mal hears what's happened to the survivor, he realizes that this man is, is disfiguring himself. Yeah. So the survivor kills the medical staff that's assigned to him, and then he makes his way through the cruiser back to Serenity, seeking familiar ground. Mal convinces the commander to allow him to guide the Alliance troops through the freighter in search of the man. The emerging Reaver attacks the search team. Uh, he assaults the commander, but Mal gets behind him and manages to snap the savage's neck while his hands are still in cuffs. The commander allows Mal and his crew to go free without pressing any charges, but they go ahead and confiscate the salvaged cargo. As Serenity sets a new course, the Alliance cruiser fires upon the derelict, destroying it and ending the Reaver threat in this area for now. Yup, for now. 
Episode 4, Shindig. This episode opens with Mal and Jane playing pool with some men on the planet Santo, while Inara watches from the bar. After finding out the men around them are slave traders, Mal picks one's pocket and a fight ensues. I'm noticing a little little bit of a theme here. Yeah, he really enjoys bar fights. (laughs) Back on the Serenity, Inara books a regular client named Atherton wing for several days so the crew ends up going back to persephone and landing because they plan to refuel and find a new job while walking kaylee ends up spotting a fluffy pink dress in a shop window and leans over to anara and says how she's the only person she knows who would ever have the opportunity to wear such elegant clothing Mal overhears this and patronizingly asks, what would she do with such a dress? And compares her to a, quote, sheep walking on its hind legs. Offended as literally anyone else would be because Mal is a total asshole, Kaylee drives back to the ship with Wash and Zoe, leaving Mal and Jane to figure out what they're doing. I think Inara is meeting up with her, her client. The two men are contacted by Badger. He tells Mal and Jane that he seeks to do business with a man named Warwick Harrow, but he won't deal with Badger directly, so he wants Mal to contact him at a party that night. And you find out it's the same one that Inara is going to be attending with Atherton. At the party, it is revealed that Atherton has offered to have Inara live with him on Persephone as his personal companion. She has not decided either way as of yet. Mal arrives with Kaylee on his arm. She is wearing this beautiful fluffy pink dress from the shop, which you learn that Mal has purchased as an apology. Meanwhile, back on Serenity, Simon, Book, and Jane are playing tall card, which is essentially like drawing for straws, for chores while River is walking around. She begins to tear labels bearing the Blue Sun logo off of the food, of the canned food, and Simon and Book get up to calm her while Jane steals Book's winnings. (laughs) Which, you think he's not going to notice that? (laughs) When he's suddenly got to do the dishes again he's like wait a minute (laughs) jane is not the smartest i'm gonna give witsy full credit for this note because i didn't type this we cut to zoe and wash and they are lying in the married way if you know what i'm saying wash comments that he likes this kind of shindig better than a regular party the dress code's a whole hell of a lot easier and he knows all the steps and frank there is a quote about the unlocked door you tell me they're screwing with the door unlocked you could lock the door and keep him out. Are you kidding me? And that's coming for someone that doesn't even have a bedroom door anymore. <laughs> it's all about the suspense. The danger. Thanks. Kaylee ends up meeting a group of girls at the party. She just wants to fit in and have a good time and enjoy the food. But these girls are super snotty and says, Oh, your dress looks like it was bought from a store. You need to talk to your girl. Which is a slave. Which is trash and they start commenting on how it took 12 slaves a whole year to make this dress and it's just sick about this time harrow approaches her kind of disses the girls i don't remember exactly what was said but apparently it was very insulting he leads kaylee over to a group of men at the party where she seems to fit in a lot better talking about mechanical stuff mal speaks with harrow who is hesitant to deal with someone who is associated with badger and about that time atherton comes up to them and greets harrow while Mal asks Inara for a dance. Mal and Inara exchange words and basically Mal accepts like, (laughs) I can't affect the decision you're going to make. And Inara's like, yeah, you're right. 
Atherton attempts to pull Inara away and Mal stops him. Atherton calls Inara a whore and this, of course, upsets Mal because... Only he can call her a whore. Yeah, I was going to say, like, she's his whore, but not... I don't know. Yeah. So Mal responds by punching him in the face, not knowing this is a challenge and they are going to have to duel with swords in the morning. Meanwhile, Harrow is intrigued by Mal swinging Atherton and says, you know, I might actually deal with you if you survive the duel, that is. But it is unlikely because uh, Atherton is really skilled and you'll come to learn that Mal knows nothing about sword fighting. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Badger ends up boarding the Serenity with his men to hold the crew on board hostage until the duel is over so they won't attempt to save Mal. So Mal can go through with the being the middleman for Harrow and win his trust. The crew is sitting there trying to think of a distraction. No, not the crew. Jane is sitting there <laughs> trying to think of a distraction to get Badger's attention so they can take out his men when River enters the room. Simon's super freaked out by this. He's like, I told you to stay in your cabin. And she comes out mimicking Badger to a T. She sounds exactly like someone from his home world. Even Badger thinks so. She comes out guns a-blazing, criticizing his delusions of social standing and calling him a sad little king of a sad little hill before then saying, I'm bored. I'm going back to my room. Let me know if you need me. (laughs) And Badger's like, holy But Jane's like, man, see, that was baller. That's exactly what I'm talking about. She knows what's up. So Inara ends up sneaking into Mal's room at night and offers a mean of escape. But Mal refuses and instead Inara stays to help him practice dueling. They argue about Mal punching Atherton for implying she's a whore, even though he keeps calling her one to her face. Right? (laughs) Mal informs her that he did so because he doesn't respect her profession, but Atherton doesn't respect her. Oh, the difference. Yeah. One's a job and one's a mental sickness. And then he later asks Inara not to stay with Atherton if he ends up dying in this duel. So in the morning, it is time for said (sighs) duel and Atherton breaks Mal's sword and is about to deliver the death strike when Inara speaks up in his defense and says she will stay with him on Persephone if he will let Mal live. While Atherton is distracted, Mal takes this opportunity to hit him with the hilt of his sword. He takes Atherton's unbroken sword and holds him to the ground with it. He pokes him with the sword twice and after this spares Atherton's life. Atherton realizes that Inara never intended to stay with him and threatens to put her out of work because he thinks he's important. On the contrary, Inara says that Atherton has earned a black mark in the companion registry and will never be able to contract with another one. So Harrow says that if he <laughs> wants to court women, he will have to rely on his, quote, winning personality. Harrow is impressed with how hard Mal was willing to fight to protect Inara and tells him he will have his cargo on Serenity later that day. Then on Serenity, the crew have finally come up with a plan to get Badger and his men, but as they're about to implement this plan, this genius plan that I'm sure was totally gonna work. Yeah, because Jane thought it up. Yeah, Jane totally thought it through. Flawless. Hey. Flawless. Hey. When you got beauty, you don't need brains. He's the brawn, not the brains. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh my God. I said beauty. I'm calling him beauty. You're calling him brawn. It's the same thing in my book. Don't need brains. Okay. <laughs> but as they're about to implement this beautiful plan, Mal arrives back and Badger's men leave. Inara expresses her gratitude to Mal for standing up for her and says that she wouldn't have accepted Atherton's offer. And that's where we're at. That's where we're at with this installment of Firefly. Now I'm excited because we get to watch some more episodes. Yeah. So while we're on the topic so close to the end, 
things like this whole duel thing and then Inara saying, oh, thank you for saving me, Mal. Stupid. Mm -hmm. I feel like if she holds the power to literally blackball this man from ever getting any vagine again. (laughs) Yeah. Why is Mal having to risk life and limb to save her and her being so grateful for it? If anything, I feel like she would have should have been insulted. See, I see it both ways. I mean, you're making a totally valid point, but yeah. Mal didn't go out of his way. Like, Mal didn't intentionally stand up for her. I mean, he did because he punched the guy. But he's punching everyone. But he's <laughs> Let's pu- be honest. Three episodes now have opened with bar fights. Yeah. Yeah, at least two. So he's wanting to punch anybody that he can. Yeah. He didn't realize this was going to start a whole duel and that he was going to have to go through with it. And it was a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And I get that while his reasoning isn't sound of, I don't respect your job, but he didn't respect you. I don't think that logic is very sound. There's there's plenty of holes in that sentence. Yeah. But. Which is part of Mal's arc. um, I will just say that. Yeah. At least from what I remember. I get that she is, like, I understand where she's grateful to him. I know you don't love everything that I do. I know you at least like me as a person. Yeah. This guy was a dick. I'm taking care of him, but you also did something out of character. I don't know that it's out of character. He likes to punch people, but. Yeah, he just likes to fight. But also, I mean, by him doing that, she had to risk life and limb to, she had to have sex with the guy, make him go to sleep, sneak into Mal's room, try to let him escape. Like, she had to risk her well-being to mm-hmm. try to save Mal, even. I, I feel like if it hadn't ended with this thing of like, oh, thank you, Mal, for coming to my... I feel like I'd have been fine with it. It's just the fact that she's like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I don't think she's thanking him for what he did, but like, having the thought behind it, if that makes gotcha. sense. Gotcha caring enough to maybe be willing to do something for her gotcha and not just blow her off like he has been yes because he's in love with her let's be honest right. i think that's clear it's from very the first obvious episode yeah yeah and he's just mad because she she getting that that vitamin d yeah and she making that money and she's more respected than he is which i always thought that was such a forward thinking thing that she is respected she is a sex worker and she is respected and she has pull in this world Mm -hmm. and I always used to think man that's like a really cool idea because I hadn't really seen that in media as a child um before this and when I say a child teenager you know because it's always like ew you're a sex worker you're dirty you're trash other than Dolly Parton she always been holding it down (laughs) yeah Overall, how are you feeling about it? I'm very curious about what's going to happen with the show mm-hmm. next. From what I'm kind of gathering, it's very episodic, but not serial. There is an overlying big arc of what's what's going to happen with Simon and River. But a lot of like the episodes, I feel like you almost could watch them out of order and it wouldn't really matter because like they're doing this heist in this episode, this heist in this episode. So it's yeah. almost like a show similar to like The Office or like The Nanny. There is an overall story of like what's gonna happen this but you could basically watch any episode and still enjoy it someone's gonna stab me it's kind of like the mandalorian (laughs) where you got the overarching story of trying to get baby yoda safe and home the the child he's not baby yoda he's not yoda you can refer to him as the child or grogu it'll be me stabbing you surprise but he's not baby yoda no that wasn't a surprise i'm just saying he's not yeah he's not actually baby yoda like we i'm all. just addressing the audience the who... child fine refer to him as the child 
But no, that's a very valid point that the Mandalorian, like you follow along to see what's going to happen with Mando and Grogu and Mando going on like little missions that don't really matter. Yes. Some missions do matter. He meets people who help him with other missions. Yeah, like a QAnon right wing muscle girl who doesn't show up ever again. <laughs> Yeah. And that happens with this somewhat from what I remember. So you've got Badger that comes back. Yeah, Badger has come back already. Um, And so, yeah, I hate to compare it to that constantly, but I'm just saying in current media, that's the thing that my brain immediately jumps to after seeing the first season of The Mandalorian. Yeah. I will say that there are some moments in The Mandalorian, some episodes where I've gotten like kind of bored. I'm like, this is what we just did. They're drug out. We just did for 45 minutes. I hate to be that person and I haven't voiced it because I'm afraid I would be literally burned at the stake. We'll go out together. <laughs> can we hold hands? Yeah. <laughs> uh, depending on how close they put the stakes. We're both vaccinated, <laughs> so we can be within six feet. That's true. Plus we'll be dying. <laughs> so what does it matter? <laughs> Don't want to catch COVID at my burning. <laughs> my burning at the stake. <laughs> oh, no. But yeah, so... There are some episodes of The Mandalorian that I I wouldn't go back and watch again. Watching once, I'm like, okay, I get it. I feel that way about some Star Wars movies too, though, to be fair. I do feel like Firefly at least keeps it, except for that first episode where I was like, God, how long is this? I didn't remember that it was an hour Hour and a half. half. Yeah. It keeps moving. It's pacey. Things are happening. Um, There's banter. And plus, like, we're bantering at each other as well. Yeah. As I said, like, halfway through at some point, I'm like, wow, I really like Jane. And you and even my husband are like, Jane's not a good guy. He's kind of an <laughs> asshole. And I'm like, oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, baby. But, you know, it doesn't help that the man's six foot four and is wide as a door frame. And That's two yeah. ticks right off my list. That's like the opposite of my ticks of tall, skinny, <laughs> redheaded. <laughs> yeah. So he, yeah. He, he has to stop talking at some point. You can just look yeah. at him. He doesn't have to talk while we make out. That's the whole point. Exactly. <laughs> I'm endeared to that actor because he's on Chuck and I like his character on Chuck. He's also kind of an asshole on Chuck too. So it just is what it is. But yeah, I'm glad that you're liking it so far. I was kind of nervous. I knew it would either probably go one way or the other. Yeah. And I'm excited because I just peeked and I see that in our next block of episodes is the Jane background episode. Yep. So that'll be good. Yeah, I'm excited to having to listen to you. Thirst for Jane for 45 minutes straight. Maybe we'll just watch that episode four times instead of watching the other three episodes. You know, let's not say we did. (laughs) You can do that on your own time. I got things to do, like pet my dogs and take a shit. I think this show's pretty good. I'd be interested to see what I think in a few more weeks after we finished it. I I think after we watch it, I don't know that I would ever revisit it. You know what I'm saying? So far. I feel that. I feel like it's a seen it once, understood it appreciated it move on yeah looking back i i know i've been kind of harsh on it because i feel like for so many years i've loved it and loved on it so much till now i want to at least acknowledge the problems but it is a good show (laughs) overall i i think i think it still holds up i shouldn't say still holds up but i feel like it holds up against like what i could be watching today's tv but at the same time i can recognize where like it does leave a lot to be desired in other aspects yeah like we didn't need to see Anara bathing for a whole minute. No. I feel like with a modern rewrite, it'd be fixed. Let let us at it. We'll fix this show. Bro, we'll we can get make it, this a we'll get it picked up. Show. We'll get it picked up for a second season. Absolutely. No cancellations. Absolutely. Even though that's kind of already been done. But <laughs> Jane and I can uh cart or could uh, charter out Anara's sh- uh shuttle. Yeah, you guys can be on the pod. You're going to and... keep her in the main ship. Yeah, exactly. We'll use all the she curtains and, and tapestry for everything, you know? Really cozy everything. in there. Yeah. 
Yeah, real cozy in there. Well, we better cut this before Witsy leaves her husband to go hunt down where Jane's at today in the great galaxies. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Do you want to send us out? Wanted to address a couple things. First, Apple has changed the way they're doing their podcast. There's now free versions and behind a paywall. We, of course, are going to stay free. We're not going to charge you to listen to this. God, no. <laughs> Also, we now have a Twitter. We are at BitchWatchPod on Twitter the way we are on Instagram. We will probably add to our link tree in the bio our personal Twitters if you want to follow us there as well as our personal Instagrams. You can also follow us over on Instagram at BitchWatchPod just like it's uh, spelled on the Twitters. But the Twitter is good. I feel like we can connect easier through Twitter. Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun over there. You can follow me on Instagram at witzy12, W-H-I-T-Z-Y-12. And you can follow me at bean.buttrito on Instagram. And remember to make good choices. Or don't and be smart about it. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Two bitches, yeah. Two bitches, two bitches just watching TV. (laughs) Bitch!